Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Some people thought John was the light, and John was not the light. He was the witness to the light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, this light that John came to testify of. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. So he's not just a man. The world was created through him, and the world didn't know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. This light, not John, but the one whom John is witnessing for. But as many as received him, the light, as many as received the light, to, to them he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. What a privilege it is to be called a Christian this morning, to be called a child of God this morning. What a privilege it is to be able to call God my Father, Abba God, Daddy God, it is a privilege that has been given to me not by my own merit, not because I am a good man, but because Jesus was the God-man. I believed in His name. Who were born not of blood, those that believe in the name of Jesus, are not born of, of blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of the will of God. You cannot force the gift of salvation on any man. This is why Baptist distinctives, one of them is individual soul liberty. We believe each individual is responsible for their own belief in Christ or not. And that you cannot force someone to believe in your particular flavor of religion. Coerced belief is not belief. And we believe you have the freedom to choose what you will or what you will not. And the Word, this light, this light is called the Word, logos in the Greek, became flesh. This Word that the world was created through. This Word was God. And this Word became flesh. God became flesh. Don't miss that. This is what Christmas is about. The incarnation prior to the birth of Christ. This is the incarnation right here. This is the moment we spoke about um, last week when we talked about Mary. 
Right? We talked about how Mary was confronted by the angel and he said, that thing which is within you is of the Holy Spirit. Here is the moment. The Word became flesh. God became flesh in the womb of Mary and then dwelt among us. And we, the guy writing this story, John the Apostle, is we beheld His glory, the light's glory. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and full of truth. Expect Jesus in your pain. Is this a Christmas message? Oh man, is it ever. You need Jesus today. In this life, you're going to have pain. You're going to suffer. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, We're going to suffer relationally. If you've suffered, would you raise your hand and say, I have suffered pain. Would you raise your hand? Just raise it up. Hold it up there for a second. Now, I want everyone to look around. Look around you. Suffering is probably one of the most common things to the human experience, is it not? It sometimes is what bonds us together. Certain types of suffering. My wife and I will be walking through the mall or we'll be uh, shopping somewhere else or or if we're on vacation, we'll be going through Disney World or Universal and inevitably at times you will find a parent with a handicapped child. And those of you that are our guests today, I have a, a handicapped daughter. She's now 28, 7? She's now 27. She'll be 28 in January. Give me, cut me some slack here. She'll be 28 in January. I was like right there. So we've kind of been there, right? We, we've been where they are, but you'll see this parent of this child with a disability, and it's, uh, there's something that bonds you together, a knowledge of pain, an experience of suffering. We know each other without knowing each other. Because we understand the pain. Pain is reality. We're all going to experience it in our lives. If you're a child, child here, and you haven't experienced suffering yet, um, good news. No, it's bad news. You will. You, you will. You're going to experience it. You're going to experience this. Life is not fair. You're going to experience the unfairness of life. You're going to experience people that you trust that let you down. You're going to experience the loss of friends and loved ones through death or through betrayal. Pain is real. And at, listen, at this time of the year, at this time of the year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and at other times, birthdays, it seems as if the pain... can be overwhelming. This passage we read speaks of the incarnation of Jesus, the mysterious union of God and man. And later in his account, this Apostle John would share the earth-shattering revelation as to why God would do this. Why, Why would God wrap Himself in human flesh? Why would God visit the womb of this teenage girl and put her through that shame and suffering. Why would God do that? 
Sometimes we wonder why. Why do I have to suffer? If you don't think Mary suffered, you probably haven't read the story with your eyes open. In his account, he would say this, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the reason for this union of God and man. This is the reason Jesus stepped down from the halls of heaven and into the womb of Mary. This is why Jesus grew up in a human body and suffered things that we suffer. This is why Jesus went to the cross and hung on that cross naked, full, ex- fully exposed to the world, beaten, bloodied, and bruised. He did it because of the love of God for His rebellious creation. And it's an amazing thing. We can expect Jesus in our pain because Jesus, listen now, because Jesus is. We can expect Jesus to visit us in our pain because He is. He lives. He breathes. And He loves. And He cares. And He is with us. The thing about pain, the thing about pain is this. It's, um, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Some of us hold our pain so close to our chest, we, we don't want to share it. We don't want anyone to know it. We don't want anyone to be impacted by it. And it's a personal, personal thing. Your pain and mine, although common, sometimes aren't comparable But suffering is suffering. And we need to learn to love each other through it as the emissaries of Christ. The words of Scripture that we read help us to begin to understand that not only is our pain personal, our Savior is personal too. He said, as many as received them, to them He gave power or the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. It is a personal thing. We become the children of God when we come to Jesus. Another passage of Scripture tells us a little bit more about this Jesus man, this God man. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, thus saith Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the Gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And so we learn as we study the life of Jesus and as we get to know Him, we learn that He's personal and that He is in our pain with us. When God called Mary to suffer, God suffered with Mary. When God called my family to suffer, God suffers with us. 
in us and beside us. The God of the universe has come to heal our broken heart. His love is present in your pain. Do you have that this morning? His love is present in your pain, but you have to open your heart to Him. Pain has a way of causing us to lay bricks, to build walls, to protect ourselves, to push people out, to push people away. And some of us, and even here this morning, and this is why God has called me to speak this word to you this morning. Make no mistake, this is a message for you this morning. You're in here, you're in this church, you're watching online. This is for you. Some of you have built this wall, and you're not just keeping your friends and your family and your circle out. You are trying to keep God out of your pain. You're trying to protect yourself. And let me encourage you, let the walls come down. You keep those walls up that you think are protecting you. They're not protecting you. They're binding you. They're binding you. Jesus came to love you in your pain. He's present in your pain. It's personal to Him. You think Jesus doesn't care about the suffering that you have found yourself in? Just because He calls us to it doesn't mean that He enjoys it. I've told the story of Mary, Martha, Mary, Martha and Lazarus and how Lazarus had to die so that he could be resurrected by Jesus. The world at that time needed to see Lazarus' death and resurrection. In order for that to happen, Mary and Martha had to suffer. And as Jesus stood there, he wept with them in their pain. It's personal. How personal is it? Let's take a look. Now there stood by the cross. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus. His mother. Listen, he didn't have a father. His father was God. Right? His mother. His mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Cleopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother. Consider this a moment. Walk back to the crucifixion with me. Here is Jesus, became a man of notoriety. I mean, one week the crowds are hailing him as, as king of kings. I mean, the Hosanna to the Lord in the highest. I mean, they're laying palm branches. The next week he's being spat upon and beaten and pummeled and mocked. Talk about going from the heights to the depths in a matter of days. And now he's dragged to Golgotha and he's nailed to this cross and he's in anguish and he's in pain and he is literally suffocating as he tries to grab a breath by pushing himself up from the nail that's through his feet, pushing his full weight to get some relief as his lungs are collapsing to gasp one breath so that he could utter seven sayings on the cross. 
Seven sayings on the cross, seven of the most important things spoken from the cross, such as, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Such as, today you will be with me in paradise. Seven sayings, right, uttered on the cross, such as, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Such as, it is finished. Seven sayings uttered on the cross, and this was one of them. He looked down and he's hanging on this cross and he's brutalized and he's bleeding. His beard has been ripped from his face. His eyes are swollen, nearly shut. I can just imagine his teeth are knocked out. He's so brutalized that the muscle and sinew and bone is showing through where they stripped his flesh and he's hanging on this cross and he looks out in the crowd and he sees his mom standing there. He's his mother who loved him and kept a record of all the things that he had ever done. It's like if you have a good mom, like I have a good mom, she's proud of you and she's keeping a record. My mom will come to me after church every now and then and she'll say, boy, Eric, that was a good sermon today. And she knows the, the pressures that her boy is under and she sort of cheers me on and she keeps records in her mind and her heart of what her children are doing. And here was Mary at the foot of the cross and I'm sure she was weeping as she looked up at her son. And here is Jesus. Expect Jesus to show up in your pain. And he looks out at his mama and the disciple whom he loved was there somewhere. And he looked at the disciple whom he loved, whose name was John, standing by, and he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. What a moment. And then he looked at his disciple. The disciple, listen man, some of y'all get hung up about people playing favorites, but John was Jesus' favorite. John calls himself the beloved disciple all throughout the book of John. He looks at his favorite disciple and he says, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. See, there's terror. I'm certain Mary is broken over her son hanging on the cross, but she's also probably wondering what happens next. What's going to happen to me? And in her suffering, this is how personal Jesus is. Mom, I'm going to take care of you. Hey, Mom, I love you. I know you won't see me very much after this. And so I'm going to send you John. And he just steps into her suffering and he loves her. This is the love of God. This is the love of God. It's so personal. It's so personal. If we will let the walls down and allow God to come in, allow Jesus to come in, we see this most human side of Jesus. The man God, who as the Bible teaches us in Hebrews, is touched by our humanity he suffers like us. He cares for us like no other. He took a look at his grieving mother and he sent her comfort 
in the form of his best friend. You say, this isn't enough. This isn't enough. How could that bring comfort? I can just say this. That comfort in suffering does not mean suffering is eliminated. That's what we all want, isn't it? That's why we take Advil. Unfortunately, that's why some take Percocet and oxycodone beyond prescription levels. They're trying to medicate their suffering, whatever it might be. Ultimately, addiction finds its root in suffering. Emotional suffering or physical suffering, it latches hold and people self-medicate. The reality is, suffering is part of life. What would have satisfied you? Mary is weeping. Her son is dying. By now, Joseph is probably already dead. She's by herself. He says, behold thy son. What else could he have done? Come down off the cross for her? So do you know what? Enough is enough. I can't allow my mom to suffer anymore. I'm done with this. Pull his hands off the nails. Slide down off the cross. Part the crowd. Approach his mother and walk away. Is that what we would have him do? Because the reality of that is if Jesus came down off of his own suffering and walked away from that cross, which, listen, he could have done at any moment to end the suffering of his mother. He could have done it when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and they were challenging him, asking him who he is. Are you the one? And he said this, I am he. Just as he simply uttered the words, I am he, they all flew back and fell and collapsed from the power of the Son of the living God. He could have stepped down off of that cross. He didn't need to call 10,000 angels as the song goes. He was God in the flesh. He could have come down off the cross. But what, what, what would that have meant for humanity? Suffering would never end. Broken hearts would never be healed. Liberty would never have been given to those that are in bondage if he came down off the cross to end the suffering of his mother. And so instead of ending her suffering, he joined her in it and he sent his emissary, John. God loves you. He wants to wrap his arms around you. And I believe in a very spiritual and powerful way, there are times where we should be open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so that I can see you. I need to see you in my suffering. I need to see you, Jesus. Where are you? And I want to challenge you, church. Pray. Ask God to open the eyes of your heart that you can see him in the emergency room with you. So you can see him by the graveside with you. So you can see him at the doctor appointment with you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so I can see you walking with me in this suffering. He is present in our pain. Expect Jesus in your pain but there's other ways there's other miraculous ways although more ordinary ways that he joins us in our suffering and that is through his children it's through his children when we had Kirsten 27 years ago 27 years and nine months ago, 
No, 27 years and 11 months ago. I was the choir director here. We had 25 or 30 people in the choir at that. No, was I, was I, no, I wasn't director yet. I was just plain old Eric. I wasn't on staff. I was just a guy here in the church. I was 21 years old when we had Kirsten. It was January 31st, 1992. We didn't know if she was going to live or die. And she lay on that table in the ICU, and then what well, was called the ACN back then, Advanced Care Nursery, now it's the NICU. And um, we had not yet held her. Trish, I don't think, had seen her. And man, we were suffering. And into that suffering, the presence of Jesus came in the form of men and women, about 30 of them, who came to the hospital Saturday night after choir practice. All dressed up. Right after practice, Paul led them out here. And uh, one after one after one after one came in and just hugged us. And just loved us in our suffering. You need to open the eyes of your heart so you can see Jesus spiritually. There's another moment where I lay in bed at night. Kirsten had had her first surgery. Um, heel cords, adductors, and hamstrings were released. It's a fancy word for saying they sliced her leg open and cut her tendons until they lengthened. And she had to be in a spica cast. A spica cast is one that keeps your legs apart with a bar between. And I don't know how long she had to be in that. It was a while though, right? And um, we had visiting nurses coming in and checking the wounds and all this. And it was at that time that we were losing our babysitter and Trish was working full-time and I was working full-time and we didn't know what we were going to do and we were scared and confused and where is Jesus in my pain? And I went to bed that night and I laid my head down and listen, man, open the eyes of your heart. He didn't remove the pain, but he joined me in it. And I prayed and I said, Lord, you said to me, you said to me that she is your daughter. You said to me, you said to me that you would take care of her. Well, <laughs> we're up against it. We have no one. We have no resources. We don't know what to do. In that moment, the Holy Spirit, which is God and the Spirit, came and wrapped his arms around me. And he loved me in my pain. And he joined me in my suffering. He didn't remove it, but he joined me in it. And he whispered in my ear the answer. He whispered in my ear, have you thought of this? You should try this. I'd never thought of it. I had no idea. And so the next day I did, and God answered our prayers in an amazing, amazing and miraculous way. That's seeing Jesus in a supernatural way. And then there are the other times. 
where uh, he shows up in a person. Like when the choir came, or um, pain is real. Um, it's amazing how it flashes back when you're trying to preach. Um, so is comfort. My wife and I had been living in an apartment, and the owners of the apartment had been foreclosed on. This is during the recession in the 90s. And so we had to move, we felt, quickly because realtors were coming in unannounced, unexpected. I was sick with a blood poisoning one day, and they came in, and I was in bed. They came in the bedroom. I had no idea they were even there because I was so out of it. So we're like, yeah, I think it's time to leave. And my mom and dad took us in. Took us in for a little while, and, and I remember now, I used to work doing solid service countertops. My dad was a foreman of the top shop where he worked, and so we would get up around the same time. And it was one of the first times, I think, that my mom and dad really saw the reality of Kirsten in comparison to her cousins. My dad might not even remember this, but Jesus was my dad. The emissary. As we sat there, he had his toast, and we had our coffee, and we sat there and cried together. The pain doesn't go away. But if you will knock those walls down and allow people to come in, he will carry you in your pain. He will be present in your pain. Because God, Jesus, is personal. And this is the most amazing thing. This is the most amazing thing. Jesus is personal. There's no other expression of God on the face of the earth as personal as Jesus is. This death on the cross for our sins, that was personal. When some of your pain, some of your suffering is caused by you, but do you realize that Jesus died on the cross for that particular sin that you're holding on to and you're gripping with a white-knuckled ferocity because you're so ashamed of it and it's causing you so much pain? Do you realize Jesus took that in His body on the tree as He died for you? You don't need to hold on to it. He has set you free and it's personal. It's personal. This is the love of God. He invades us. Will you let your walls down? Will you let Him in? Do you understand that when we go through suffering, it's necessary? That as God allows us to suffer, it's necessary for us and for others. He doesn't waste our suffering. He steps into it and He meets us there if we let Him, if we expect Him. He will join us in it. So some of you are suffering because of a loss of a loved one. Expect Jesus in your pain. Expect Jesus to join you. Pray, God, open the eyes of my heart. Help me to see you, Jesus, by faith, to recognize that you are alive and you are present with me. And in many cases, our loved ones have trusted Jesus and they are with Jesus. And so when you experience the person of Jesus in your life and your loved one is in heaven with Him, 
Let me tell you something. You are experiencing the love of your loved one in Christ. He is with you. He knows you. He feels you. And he'll hold you. He will hold you in your pain. Expect Jesus to show up. Open the eyes of your heart, but also open your heart to others. Open your heart to others. Allow people to bless you. Allow them to minister to you. Many years ago, we had a singing group here called the Campbell Family Singers. And, and uh, uh, it must have been evident during that time. Must Kirsten might have been seven. That was one of my worst seasons when she was about seven. And the, uh, the leader of that family, as he was leaving, I went out to say goodbye and help him to his car and stuff. And his son had stomach cancer and these people had suffered. And, and he looked at me and he shook my hand. And this guy who's only met me once, he looked at me and he said this. And I didn't truly understand it then, but he saw something and the Lord spoke through him. And he said, Eric, listen, man, I'm just going to tell you this. You need to let people bless you. You need to let people bless you. I had no idea what he was talking about. I do now. I'm a little older. 20 years will do that. Well, all right, 30. <laughs> There's my pain. We build walls. We keep people at arm's length. The people that God is calling to be emissaries of Christ to you to love you in your pain. Sometimes we just push them away and we keep everyone at arm's length. We won't let anyone in. Let people bless you. Let people bless you. Last week I ended with a couple of slides. I ended with the Picasso slide. And the series really is partially about correcting our perception of Jesus. And don't be distracted, folks, by the noise. Dial in. You need to know Jesus as He is, not as you think Him to be. This is the importance of immersing yourself in the Word of the living God. Teenagers, junior high kids, young adults, know Him as He is. Don't rely on your caricature of Jesus. The caricature is nothing like the real thing and is nowhere near powerful enough to walk with you in your suffering. You need to see this Jesus. The one that loves kids, that calls them to him, that, that sits them on his knee, that, that gets down and looks at them at eye level, that rebukes the disciples for not allowing them to come in, that blesses those children. You need to see the Jesus that took Mary and Martha and held them to him as he wept for them because he knew he had called them to this suffering for a greater cause. You need to see this Jesus in your pain. He walks with you. There's a song, I think, I think Ron did it at a, a, a funeral once, and, and it's very difficult for him to do, and, and it's, it's a song called In the Garden. And it's an old, old hymn. And uh, it was written by a guy that was, that was, he was in prayer, and man, he had the eyes of his heart. This guy was in prayer, and he had the eyes of his heart open, and he could see Jesus there. I come to the garden alone, but he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. 
He was present with him in his pain. You have to see the true Jesus in your pain. You have to look for him in your pain. I've asked a few kids to read for me today. And you're not going to believe this. They all shot me down. They shot, they shot me down. I won't give you their names. Yet I completely understand them. I wasn't always this way. I remember a time when I would be sitting in the service, 17, 18, 19, 20 years old, and, and Pastor Z would be preaching, and he'd end the service, and he'd say, now we're going to take testimonies and prayer requests, and God would say, Eric, you need to stand up and say this, and I'd be like, no. You need to give a praise. You need to tell people what God is doing. You need to say this, and I'd be like, no. And he said, yes, and I'm like, no, apparently I argue with God a lot. And uh, so finally I would raise my hand, and this is how I would raise my hand, like, please, please don't call me. Please don't call God, this is enough, right? Please don't call me. And Pastor Z, who had eyes like a hawk, would somehow see this little hand raised, and he'd go, Eric! And I'd go, So guys, I completely get it. I completely understand it. So I will read the Advent Scripture, and the purpose of this passage is to remind us that Jesus came to earth to be with us in our pain. That He came and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That He understands with an absolute depth of what it is like to be human and what it is like to suffer. Boy, if there is anyone who can identify with your suffering, it is Jesus. It is Jesus. He lost a stepfather. We believe Joseph had died before his crucifixion. A man who took him in like he was his own. As he was dying, he looked at his mother weeping and his heart is breaking apart. And so he sends his best friend John to his mother. He understands the necessity of suffering, and so instead of rushing to heal Lazarus, he has to allow Lazarus to die. Can you imagine how that must have broken the heart of Jesus? Knowing the suffering that was going to be visited upon some of his very best friends, Mary and Martha, he is acquainted with our suffering. He is acquainted with our grief. The Bible calls him a man of sorrows. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, Get out there and be the blessing.